Good evening to those in social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship. We thank you again. We're coming to you again with our Saturday night message. We thank you for tuning in. We always welcome you to invite your family, your friends, anyone you feel like um, needs to hear this word. And like I said, I pray it's being a blessing to you. But we've been talking about habits of a thankful heart. We've been, we started last year. We're just going to continue this on through the new year. I want to say happy new to new year to you. Um, we believe in God for a, a successful and prosper and healthy 2024. I'm just believing God and I pray that you believe in God for great things in 2024. But as we continue on this message, the habits of a thankful heart, learning how to be thankful even in tough times. You know, we just came through the holiday season. Maybe your holiday has changed, as I said, because of people that are not in your life or things, maybe you're jobless or whatever the case may be, something changed in your life. And so, and maybe you found it very hard to be thankful, you know, in that time, in that season, or even now, you know, the new year's coming in. And so you say, what do I have to look forward to? Well, we have to learn how to be thankful even in those tough times. And so tonight, um, we're going to talk about um, rearranging our priorities, okay? Rearranging our priorities. So one of the habits of being thankful is learn how to rearrange your priorities. Because if you rearrange your priorities, uh, you'll find that um, you'll learn how to be thankful. you develop the habits of being thankful. So we're coming from Philippians chapter 3. Remember this this series is coming from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, and we're going to read 7 and 8. This is Paul, once again, writing to the church of Philippi. And 7 and 8 of chapter 3 in the book of Philippi, I'm reading from NLT, and it said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worse than when you compare with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And so these are powerful words from Paul. He said everything because you didn't. Let me go back and read. Paul's resume, okay, because Paul was talking about this. And I'm going to start at verse 5. And he says, I was, you know, circumcised when I was eight years old, which was, you know, in order to be a Jew, well, circumcision was the thing you had to do. He said, I was circumcised eight, and I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. So Paul is giving his resume. He says, hey, I got the resume. If anybody want to brag on themselves, all the accomplishment, I can do it. He said, I was a member of the, of, the, of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. So he says, hey, if anybody kept the Jewish law, I was good at it. And I was so zealous that I hard, harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So Paul's saying, hey, look, you know what? I got an awesome resume. Okay, I got an awesome resume when it comes 
to doing the things of God, keeping the Jewish laws and that. But notice he said he get to seven. He says, I count it all. And here's the foundation. He said, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. He says, knowing Jesus out of all the confidence I got, knowing Jesus surpasses that. He says, everything is a loss. Uh, the, the, the King James Version said, count all as dung. Or, you know, a dung is, is, you know, waste. Okay. He says, hey, it don't mean anything. All these accomplishments, all these things that I've accomplished in my life. He says, hey, it is worthless comparing to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Okay. And so just to kind of get into this, this is when we suffer disappointment, when we, when we can't get things we think we need okay and while it is natural it's also an opportunity for us to ask what am i really living for so maybe in this season you and i getting things you need and i know i've been in a season where you know what things that i thought i should have got maybe a, a promotion a job um you should think you should be married by now you think you should have a child by now um just things that we get disappointed when we when our needs are not met and so that puts us in a place of you know what not being thankful so you know what what i got to be thankful for because god should have gave me this and i prayed about that and i didn't get this and this is going in my life and i'm going through a divorce so you know what hey and so things that we need things that you know so we we, we suffer disappointment we don't get some of the things that we need you know, things, but that's not, but that is opportunity. I love this is what are you really living for? Ask yourself the question. We all in. what are you really living for? Am I living for the material things in this world or am I living for Jesus? Am I living for Jesus? Does these things take priority over knowing Jesus Christ? Now, let me say this. I'm not saying that we don't need these things. I want to put a disclaimer here. I'm not saying, you know, because I remember Kirk Franklin made a song, you know, silver and gold. And I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Well, that's, I understand what Kirk was trying to say because this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, hey, you know, if I got to choose between these things, I'm going to choose Jesus. But God wants to have both. Okay. But when those things, we're talking about rearranging our priority, when those things are priority, when those things um, take priority over knowing Jesus, then it becomes a problem. And this is what Paul was saying. He said, you need to ask yourself, and I want you to ask yourself, what are you living for? Because I, is your um, success or is your happiness, is your thankfulness based on material possessions or people in your life just it is solely based on that because if your those things are if those are your main priority if they are priority they take priority over knowing christ then you need to rearrange your priority that's what i'm saying i'm not saying we don't need these things and god wants to have these things but you need to evaluate your life and says hey who has more priority the things of the world or my knowing Jesus. And this is what Paul, and this is really, it's awesome because this is really the foundation of this letter to Philippi. 
So how how we answer this question shows our true priorities, okay? How you answer this? So how do you answer that question? What am I really living for? I think you need to answer that question tonight. What are you really living for? And that how you answer it is going to show your true priorities. Most Christians will say that they are living for Christ, okay? But if we honestly examine our hearts, we may find that while Christ is a part of our lives, we're actually living for something else. So is Christ a part of your life? He may be a part of life, but have you have you really examined this? Am I really living for Christ? Is Christ my main priority in life? Is me pleasing him? Is me knowing God the main, the number one priority does it take? Because you may be, he may be part of your life, but are you need to ask yourself, are you living for something else? Is something in your life taking his place? This author, Tim Keller, he says, defines an idol as any good thing that has become the ultimate thing. So this is the definition, one definition. He defines that an idol is any good thing that becomes the ultimate thing. Now, notice I love that because notice it. He knows he says that the thing that, that is an idol is a good thing. So we're not talking about bad things. You know, you want um, a good job or pay all your bills. You know, you want a nice car that works. That's not bad things. Those things are not bad. Um, you know, material things are not in all itself bad to want to have nice things and, you know, have people in your life and things. That, it's nothing wrong. Those are good things. But have they become the ultimate thing? Because the ultimate thing should be Jesus. The ultimate. So don't allow the good thing to become the ultimate thing, the number one priority thing. So this is how this author divine, he says, define, let me read again. Idol, an idol is a good thing that has become an ultimate thing. When we take something other than God and make it our reason for being. So have you taken something else other than God and made it your reason for being? And don't get me wrong, all of us guilty. I, this is why you had to examine your life and, and take inventory and be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and say, you know what? Yes, it has. Something has taken pride. My focus has become this thing and it's no longer gone because maybe you're in a position now where you don't go to church no more or you don't read your Bible anymore. You don't spend time in the word anymore. And so therefore God has taken a back seat Okay, to the thing that you have made your priority, you know, your job, you work in one job or two jobs. And, and once again, not saying those are bad things. If that's what God, you'll see them to do it. But has it become a priority? Has it taken the place of God? And Paul was saying, hey, all the economy had, he says, it ain't worth, it's a loss compared to knowing Jesus. So, Continue reading here, it says, if the prospect of losing that thing fills you with anger and anxiety, you may be guilty of ivory. Does the does the the, the the prospect of you losing that thing, that what is that thing that you, you're afraid to lose? 
that makes you angry if you lose and gives you anxiety that you know, hey, that you're fearful that if this happened, then I, what am I going to do? You know, I'm going, you know, and that's concluding people. Okay. You know, don't get me wrong. When you lose a loved one, it's hard. And sometimes the way you lose a loved one can be difficult when you spent your life with somebody, you know, a long time. You've been married 30, 40 years, and then you lose that person. Maybe it's some type of sickness, whatever the case may be. That could be something. But does that thing losing them bring anxiety? That means you are worshiping that person or you worshiping that thing. Okay, you may be guilty of, of idolatry, okay, if the prospect of losing that thing fills you with anger and anxiety. So you need to, we need to examine this, okay, and we're going to take inventory. So Philippians um, chapter 3, verse 7 to 11, this is the heart of the letter, the letter and the key to Paul's entire ministry. So when you read this, this is the key. Paul knows that even if everything else is taken away from him, liberty, health, um, life itself, he said nothing can take away what Christ has done for him. Okay, and nothing in the world can compare with what Christ has given Paul. This knowledge has penetrated apostle to his core and fills him with joy. So Paul says, hey, if all these things take, take away from me, if I lose my liberty, in other words, remember he was in prison at the time, if I lose my freedom, if I lose my health, it is God's will for you to be healed, but if for some reason you die of a sickness, life itself, if you lose a family, a friend, you lose your job, anything, he's saying, hey, he says, hey, when if nothing can take away what I know about Christ, Nothing. If you lose all those things, that's why Paul said, I think, in, in Romans 8, you know, and I believe around verse 30, he says, what can separate me from the love of God? That's why he was able to say that. And he names all these things. He said, I am convinced that the life or death, no power, no death, be able to separate from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He wasn't talking about his love for God, but he was talking about God's love for him. Nothing can separate Paul says, is nothing in this world can compare to what Jesus had done for him. And this is the place where you and I, we have to get there. You know, you had to get to a place where you fall in love with Jesus so much that you know what? Nothing in this world can compare to you knowing how much he loves for you, how he cares for you, how much he adores you. And see, here's what the mistake we made, and I've made it too. We base God's love for us based on how much material stuff we have, based on how much the things that we have prayed for and we have. And we say, well, you know what? God don't love me because I don't have this. And God don't have love me because I don't have that. And so he can't love me because, hey, I don't have this person anymore. I don't have that thing anymore. Well, if you're basing God's love based on your possessions, then that's what the enemy wants then you're not going to be at the place here as Paul talking about he, that he's talking about, you know what, nothing compares to knowing Jesus Christ because Paul understood, Hey, I got all the accomplishments. I got all my resume is good, but you know what? It ain't nothing compared to knowing Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. So I want to look at this word count. He said, I count it. That word count means to lead or command. It means to deem or to consider. 
This means Paul didn't come to a place of failure or through some sin or error on his part. Otherwise, he became, Paul, you consider now, they may consider him being a loser, but he was the most promising student of, of Galileo. Remember, Paul was a promising student. He was very smart, very articulate. Paul was one, but he says, all that, all my education, because maybe you have a lot of degrees and stuff. All my education don't mean nothing compared to knowing Christ. He said, I count all this, Paul said, I consider all this stuff. You know, hey, the world may deem you as a failure when you lose all your stuff. You may consider yourself as a failure. You may say, you know what, I'm a failure. You know what, I, I'm, I'm not where I lost this, I lost that, this and that. But you know what, hey, you're not a failure. Why? Because you have Jesus. I heard a song years ago, and the songwriter said this, and the verse of the song says that he says, he said, if you lose everything and still have Jesus, you got enough to start all over again. I thought that was powerful. I, I don't know who wrote that song, but I remember years ago, it was sung in the church. But the but the writer said, it's if I lose everything, okay, and still have Jesus. He said, I got enough to start over. Jesus is enough to start all over in this with everything. And you've got to get to a place where he said, you know what? If if I lose everything and still have Jesus, I got enough to start all over again. In other words, this knowledge is knowledge penetrated Paul to the core. And to him, it's got to be the core of who you are. Knowing Jesus has got to become the core of who you are. But it says Paul chose to value his own efforts as dumb, meaning that as waste, nothing, no good. He says, hey, all my, all the things I did on my own effort ain't worth nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And this is strong. This is strong. This is powerful. You've got to get to that place where you say, and don't nothing else matter but Jesus. I've got to get that place. And when you get to that place, I guarantee you that, you know, not saying you everything gonna go wrong in life. But when things happen in your life, you can say you can be strong enough to survive and you can be strong enough to say, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting because, hey, knowing Jesus is more than enough. You know what? Right now, because I know him and I put my trust and confidence in him. Many people come to the Lord in the mindset of failure. In the midst, excuse me, many people come to in the midst of failure and personal tragedy. It is easy to see their own efforts as worthless in a situation like that. Okay. Those who are on the top of their game often fall, fail to see their need for, for the Lord. They think they are doing quite well and therefore trusting themselves. That's why. Relatively very few successful people come to the Lord. The present tense, I count, this is what Paul is saying, show a habitual attitude and commitment to a long-term way of doing something. In other words, Paul continued to count as lost everything that will keep him from knowing Jesus Christ intimately. So let's think about because, you know, and that's true. Most people 
you know, a lot of people, I can say most people, a lot of people come to the Lord through failure, through tragedy. You know, they lost a loved one. They lost a friend. They lost their car. They lost their, some type of loss, some type of tragedy. You know, friend was killed, spouse was killed, child was killed, whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's easy to see. It's easy to see their own efforts and worth in that situation. Okay. But when we talk about successful people, you know, people who are on top of their game, these people fail to see Christ. Because why? Because they say, look at what I did. They pretend to point to all their accomplishments and say, hey, you know, I did this. I got my degree. I got started my own business. Now I'm successful. And it was my wisdom. It's my smarts. And they got me all this. And, you know, when those people fail, they have nothing to look forward to. They made that other words because they put all them confidence in themselves. And the truth of the matter is, in this day and time, a, a hurricane or a tornado can wipe out everything just that quick. But they put their confidence. But these people, but you know, these people need tragedy to see the Lord. And so it says they, they think they're doing quite well and therefore they trust in themselves. But that's why successful people. Uh, have a hard time coming to Christ because why they look at all their possessions and they value that and they take priority and stuff and they build their worth based on their material possessions. Okay. But Paul said, Hey, and all my accomplishment, he says, and all my comment, he says, they ain't worth nothing compared to knowing Christ to knowing Christ intimately. And that's where you got to get based knowing even with all your accomplishments right now. Okay. You got to compare all that. Okay. Take all that and say, you know, it ain't worth nothing. If I didn't have Jesus, if I did not have Jesus, if I did not know Jesus, all the success in the world wouldn't mean a thing. But Paul is an example for, for all of us. He's on, he was the most holiest according to his resume, the best. And yet he was nothing. He said, if that is true for Paul, it is certainly true for us. Like Paul, we need to count all our personal achievements as refuse that we might totally and and refuse all those and totally rely on Christ. All your personal achievements, you gotta look at them and say, you know what? Hey, thank God for the, all that I accomplished, but you know what? This don't mean nothing without Jesus. It don't mean nothing. And this is the place you got to get and say, so this is, and know what, when you get to that place and we're talking about a thankful heart, when you get to that place that nothing in this world can compare to you, you know what? It ain't going to be hard to praise them. It's not going to be hard to find something to be thankful for, even when you lose everything, because you say, Hey, I value him more than any accomplishment that I ever have. Okay. And so, I'm just kind of looking at some some content from um, Philippians three and eight. At one time, Paul had trust in his works for his own flesh as a means of accepting God. His faith had been in circumcision, uh, ancestry, religion, zeal, legalistic righteousness. This is all he put all his confidence in those things. But here, he counts them as a loss that he might gain Christ. In fact, Paul used the word dumb. Okay, to describe how little he valued anything that would separate him 
from the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. See, we don't put in, let me say this, how much value do you put on knowing Christ? How much value? Now, let me say, you may say, well, I, you know, I know Jesus died for my sins. I know he's saved the world. But you know what? God is so much deeper than that. I thank God that you know that. But God is so, he's so deeper than that to know him. I mean, you can, you have to spend your whole life getting to know God. You just, just because you went to Sunday school when you was young and went to church and you may go to church now, that don't mean you know him. There's so many aspects to God, you know, in your life. And when it comes to your life, there's so many departments in your life. You have to get to know God. And there's so many, so much false stuff out here you know, teachings and different religions and doctrines that if you don't know God intimately, okay, then you can get tricked. And there's a lot of teachings out here, you know, that could trip people up because why? It sounds good, but it's not God. But when you know God, you know what? You know his voice, even though you may not. There's been times where, hey, I've met people uh, in my, you know, going to the store and people stop you and they try to introduce some type of teaching to you. And there's been times where, you know what, I couldn't totally figure out where they was coming from. But the Holy Spirit says, eh, something's not right with this. Something's not right. This don't sound right. And so when you have that relationship with him, you can know when the enemy is coming and trying to trick you and deceive you. Now, you may not have all the answers, you may not have all the scriptures, but you, some in your spirit says, nah, I can't, can't go with this because you know what, this, some don't sound right. I can't figure it out, put my finger on it, but some don't sound right. And so continue with, uh, with some content of three. It's the, we study, word study from the Greek word study, um, New Testament states, not only did Paul forfeit all that when he was saved, but it's now it goes a little deeper. It says his parents would have nothing to do with him as a son who had in their estimation dishonored them by becoming one of the most of those hated, despised Christians. And they 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 had reared him in a in a lap of luxury and sent him to the great Gamaliel and giving him an excellent training in Greek culture you know, and a school of learning, but they had, but they had now cast him off and he was still forfeiting all that, that he had heard dear for what he tells us that I may win Christ. So we're saying here, I'm not how true this is, but maybe you in the case with, you know, sometimes when you choose Jesus, your family will abandon you. Cause if your family, I'm not saying, disown your family but sometimes and i've seen i've read stories where people when they especially in the foreign country when they accepted jesus christ the person their family disowned them and even in this country your family just maybe you you your family disowned you and they want nothing to do with you and because you chose jesus but you got to get to a place where you say hey you know what if that's the case i'm gonna still choose jesus jesus has to be the number one priority okay he has to be the number one priority. Only eternity will reveal how much Paul gave up in the, in the nature to follow Christ. Okay, 
one thing of certain, he gained much more than he ever gave up. That's true for us as well. The reproaches of Christ are infinitely greater, greater in wealth than all the riches of the world or the acclaims of man. You got to believe that. We don't know how much Paul gave up, but this is true for us also. The reproaches of Christ are infinitely greater in wealth than all the riches of this world. You've got to get to a place where you believe that, you know, he counted it all as dumb. He said that I may win Christ. And that word win means to gain. Paul says I gain more by winning. Because why, you know, why did he say that? Because you may say, well, how is Paul able to say that when he lost everything? Because he had the best education. He had, you know, uh, he was killing Christians. So he was in some type of leadership role. But you know what? Eternity, when we look at things from eternity's perspective, okay, it carries more greater weight and carries more weight of, weight of value in it than the natural. So you got to learn how to see things um, from the eternal purpose because we're not here to stay. Okay. And so you need to understand that. So when you put too much value on the things of this world, Okay, it will take your focus off the things of Christ. You can't see Christ like you need to see him. You can't see the eternal thing like you need to see it because you're placing too much value or you're putting too much priority on the things of this world. And so that means you can't see God in the eternal aspect of what he wants to see him in. Um, so Christian life is, is all about getting to the point well, we can echo Paul's words, okay? Everything else is nothing. You've got to get to that place. And this is when you will have a thankful heart. When you get to the place where he says, everything else is nothing compared to knowing Christ. Everything else is nothing. And I know that's something, and I may sound crazy to some people, to the world, because he says, because well, we've been trained to value so much material things, you know, the, the dollar. And like I said, no, I'm not saying we don't need those things. Please don't misunderstand me. It says, you know what the preacher saying? We don't need. No, I'm not saying you don't need those things. But what I am saying is that when those things take, have more priority than knowing God, when you spend more time, you know, chasing money or chasing material things, or chasing, you know, trying to have friends and relationships, then knowing your relationship, having a relationship with God, then it, it has become idolatry. This is what I'm saying. Now, God wants us to have all this thing because why? You know, uh, Matthew 6 and 20, I mean, 6 and 33 says, hey, first you seek the kingdom of God and all his right. He said, all other things would be added. To so he says, hey, but he said, I've got to be number one priority. He said, I'm going to add all these other things to your life. All the things that you need, you know, it may not come all at once. It may take some time. But he said, I'm going to make sure you have everything you need. I'll make sure you get, but hey, compared, everything else means nothing compared to knowing Christ. When Jesus is truly the center of your life, all other desires take second place. When he is the center of your life, let me say that strongly. I want to say that I want you to get this tonight. When he is truly the center, like everything else takes second place. Okay, so you need to ask yourself, is, is something that you want 
more real to you than the love of Jesus Christ. Okay. Is Christ the center of your life? Okay. Because when he's the center, everything else takes second. Everything else would take second place when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ. And so this is so this is the habit. So, and I guarantee when he becomes the center life, you will be thankful, you will praise, and you will have a thankful heart. It will be I it will become easier for you just to praise God no matter what's going on around you. So let me pray for you and Father God in the name of you, we thank you uh for this opportunity just to share your word with your people. God, I thank you for this word falling on good ground on ears that will hear it and, and take this in. I thank you, God, that that knowing you surpasses everything. God, I pray that you right now, somebody that's listening that will get a revelation of knowing you surpasses anything on this earth. A relationship with you passes, surpasses anything on this earth, God. I pray that those will get to know you intimately and through your word and through prayer and through worship that they will find a newfound relationship with you that surpasses anything on this earth because god we understand that knowing you is the is the most is the best thing that ever happened to us that it can happen to us so we thank you i thank the holy spirit that you minister to somebody right now that you are uh speaking to them right now that you are drying up their tears that you got a healing their broken hearts God, that they are now making a decision to make you number one in their lives, that you are the number one priority. And I give you honor and praise. And I thank you right now what you're doing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just moving right now and menacing to your people. And I give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening. We will be back with you again on this was lesson eight. We'll be arguing with you again on lesson nine. And we also will be starting our Bible upside up again on Thursdays, this coming Thursday, um, next week. And so we also invite you to tune in on that, where we'll be sharing in different topics and stuff that we believe that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Once again, thank you for listening tonight. We'll see you again next week. Thank you and bye-bye.